If you're in the market for a super addictive puzzle game, you have to check out Mini Motorways on Apple Arcade. It's a city planning strategy puzzler with an incredibly satisfying gameplay loop. Enjoy unlimited access to over 200 incredibly fun games with no ads and no in-app purchases. From puzzle and adventure games to sports, racing and multiplayer action games, everyone can count on finding something to love. Head to sifter.com.au slash arcade to start your free trial of Apple Arcade today. That's sifter.com.au slash arcade for a free one-month trial of Apple Arcade, and you'll be supporting independent video games journalism. New subscribers only, $9.99 a month after free trial. Plan automatically renews after trial until cancelled. Hello and welcome to Mainstream. It is another podcast from Pixel Sift. Pixel Sift, an award-winning video game podcast looking at indie games around the world. But this is Mainstream where we talk about the games that we play from AAA to mobile to whatever else. Um, and you can find out what we've been playing and some of the stuff that we've been reading in the news that we found kind of interesting uh, to check out. Uh, my name is Gianni. I'm the executive producer of Pixel Sift and I'm joined by producer and presenter um, Daniel Daniel, thanks for joining me on the first episode of Mainstream. Thank you so much for having me. Very exciting to be here. How you doing? I am going really, really well. Um, so we're going to be talking about some games and some news today. Um, I thought we'll kick it off. And um, I've been playing a, a, a brand new game just come out on uh, the 20th of September. It's called Sayonara Wild Hearts. And I've been playing it through the new Apple Arcade service. And it's a really fascinating, beautiful looking game. Um uh, definitely one that I've, I was really surprised by. What have you been playing recently? Been playing a lot of Ellie Noir. I've been actually going back through a lot of different Rockstar games and San Andreas and stuff like that. But Ellie Noir is the main one that I got stuck into. Australia's best video game podcast. Subscribe to Pixel Sift on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever podcasts are found. So, Daniel, do you want to start us off? What is, um, you know, you jump back into Team Bondi's L.A. Noir, made in Australia, that game there. Uh, missed it at the time, but you're playing it now. Tell us what you think. It's um, it's aged in, it's aged good in certain areas, and in other areas, it's pretty hilarious. Um, I think the facial animation technology is like, you know, the big talking point about L.A. Noir, and that's aged pretty well, actually, for the most part. I mean, there are still some issues as far as the heads not really connecting that well to the bodies and the textures maybe being a little bit soft and blurry. But for the most part, the whole premise of the game is, you know, you play as Cole Phelps' detective in, in Los Angeles in like the late 1940s or something. And the whole point is you have you go on these different cases and, you know, um, you have to figure out who's lying and who's not. And so they implemented this facial technology. And, you know, now after the fact, you know, this game's been out for a, a good eight years or something it's still pretty good as, as in the technology. Cause there's a, there's something about it when I'm playing it and I'm looking at these characters and figuring out who's lying and who's not and watching people's facial expressions. And it's almost, I'm getting this sense of realism that I don't quite get from other games and other cutscenes, um, And even uh, other rockstar games that have come out since then, I, I know the facial animations have gotten better in games like, you know, Red Dead Redemption two and GTA five and things like that. But there's something different i can't quite put my finger in it with ellie noir with the face i remember when it when it did come out they actually talked a lot about the way that they'd actually been tracking the faces and obviously every single thing um in in the game um was actually 
acted out. It's very similar to a lot of how you'd see games done these days. Um, you know, like I think of the Naughty Dog games, for example, um, which, you know, everything is acted out on a, on a soundstage effectively. But this was one of the first ones where they really tracked the faces um, and use that sort of information to um, to really map onto the characters, the digital versions of them. And that's why I guess some of the, the characters look almost exactly like the, the counterpart of the actor who actually performed them as well. So, yeah, it's really um, it's really quite an interesting game and, and sort of surprising as well because I remember after it came out, um, I, I, you obviously didn't play it at the time, but it was a lot of hype for it when it did come out. Um, and then the company, not that long after that, um, actually ended up folding. So, mm. um yeah, it was pretty sad for a lot of people in the Australian games industry who who worked at Team Bondi um, after that. You know, this big big uh, fanfare uh, of of the game, and then yeah. have it all sort of fade away. Yeah, it's it's kind of sad. Like I, I did actually play it when it came out, but I didn't get that far into it. I remember I was still in high school at the time, actually, and I just the pacing for me was the thing that sort of drew me away from it initially. Um, I, I just, you know, finished playing Red Dead Redemption, the first one, and going to a slower paced game like Ellie Noir, and I, I think I just didn't really have the patience for it back then. But now, I'm a little. I like this kind of stuff. Uh, I'm interested in in the story and stuff like that. But yeah, you're right with with the technology, especially Ellie Noir is a game one of a kind almost because we've we've haven't seen anything to this extent as far as a motion scan. The technology I think was developed by Team Bondi specifically for this game. And since then, yeah, as Team Bondi has kind of folded and, you know, faded, um, the same thing has gone with the technology. I'm not even sure if games have adapted it since then or tried anything similar. Um, I can't tell. Yeah. Um, it's interesting because obviously, did, which which did you play it on? Did you play it on the Switch or did you play it on your computer or PlayStation or oh, so, so, yeah, I uh, still had it on my Xbox 360. So I had that. Oh, you played the original version? Yes, yeah, because I, I, uh, my sister bought it uh, when it came out, actually, and then I was watching her sort of play, and I didn't really get that into it. Um, but then, you know, the other day, just feeling like a nostalgia trip, and I thought, hey, I haven't actually finished this game yet, um, and I don't really know too much about um, what happens in the story later on. I think I got decently into it. I got up to Vice, uh, the Vice desk. So that's like just before halfway or something like that, or about halfway um and, but it's been years since i touched it and so when i went back to it again it was almost like a newfound appreciation for the game uh, every, with everything that's happened since then in in the world of games that's interesting because obviously it was um it was re-released not that long ago yeah uh, on the 20 in 15th of december 2017 um so i thought yeah of course you'd be playing it on the switch or something like that but no <laughs> interesting that you've gone back and, and played it on the uh, on the original xbox yeah yeah that's uh, cool. was it 360 was it on the yes yeah 360 yeah it's it surprisingly looks pretty good i think there's a lot of like i didn't realize this beforehand um because especially with red dead there wasn't like anti-aliasing um, but then going to Ellie Noir, there's like a little bit of that leap. And so I noticed that and I was like, hey, this game actually still holds up pretty well, considering it is the Xbox 360 version, which famously you know, had three discs because it was so big. Um, to, you had to load it in like when you got to a certain point in the story multiple times, you know. And so are you keen to give the new sort of up, up, uh, up resed version a go now that you've, you've made your way through uh, the 360 version? Yeah, eventually. I'd, I'd like to get into the VR stuff because they... They did that as well. There's like VR case files that went out and um, been looking on YouTube and it, it adds like another layer, like an extra depth um, to the game. And so like interacting with clues and stuff and with what you can do in VR, it looks interesting. So I think if I had to give the up res version, um, it wouldn't necessarily be like the Switch version, but I would want to try VR just for that extra experience. 
Sounds awesome. Um, definitely. Is any, uh, I guess, any final points on, on what you'd say about um, L.A. Noir? Well, I guess the original version. Um, <laughs> um, I don't, it's it was a great game. I mean, it obviously was clunky. It it had its um, problems for sure. I think the open world could have been implemented more into the story. Like uh, one thing that I really enjoy about these open world games is feeling like you're actually a part of it and not the driving force behind everything that's happening, you know. So I, I wish that they had more of Cole Phelps within LA. Maybe, I don't know, you can go back to his house and they're like more of that RPG mechanics. I do realize the development um, for the game was very pressed for time and a lot of people were overworking hours and so they couldn't fit everything in. But, you know, in a perfect world, I would have liked to see that a bit more because I feel if you're not on a case and you're looking around, they do have incentives for exploring the open world through different landmarks around the city but it's not that varied so you just drive somewhere and then you take a picture and that's it and i wish they had more of that to really ground you because it is it is a very beautiful setting and they went through a lot of painstaking detail to recreate um la during the 1940s i just wish there were more engaging ways to explore it but yeah that's that's pretty much it you're listening to mainstream by pixel sift Visit us on pixelsift.com.au. So I have played a game called Sayonara Wild Hearts. Have you ever seen anything about this game? Have you heard about it at all? Um, I have not actually. No, I'm completely new. What's it about? So it is, it's, it's basically, um, it's described as a playable album. Um, so it's all um, basically made with a, a musical soundtrack and a storyline that kind of comes along with it. And you can play it on a variety of different bits and pieces. So you can play it on your mobile um, directly. You can play it on your iPad, um, but you can also play it on your Apple TV if you've got a controller that you pair with it. And that's the way that I played it on the Apple TV with my PlayStation controller attached to it. Um, And um, yeah, so it's really, really, really cool. If you like that sort of like synth wave aesthetic as well, so like, you know, a lot of purples, a lot of pinks, a lot of blues, Sort of like awesome, cool people with great bomber jackets and um, <laughs> all that sort of the stuff. Hair. <laughs> yeah, all the hair, great masks, all that sort of thing. Um, yeah, it's it's really really awesome. It's like aesthetically really beautiful, and the music is really really great as well. Um, I found the game to be um, like it's it's quite a short experience, and it's um, uh, there's a number of different levels you got to work your way through. Um, but it, in terms of like, here's a perfect game for like a nice little vignette of of a game. Um, yeah, it was really, really fun. And I, I, I know it's, I'm not sure whether it's a sort of game that I probably would have bought otherwise. Um, but the fact that it was available as a subscription with a whole bunch of other things, yeah, it was just really, really great. So if you have the opportunity to do that, if you've got something that can play on Apple Arcade, I recommend it. Um, it is also available on Switch and on PlayStation as well. Um, but I think Apple Arcade is kind of the coolest way to play it. Um, and yeah, the music is just really good. Someone described it as Carly Rae Jepsen, the game. Um, <laughs> so if you, if you know Carly Rae Jepsen's music, yeah. that's the kind of what it sounds like as well. That's so cool. yeah, I, have, definitely really cool. I have two questions for this. Um, the first one, Go. is it the gameplay? Is it similar to rhythm games, say as like, you know, Guitar Hero and Rock Band and, and that kind of thing? And uh, number two is, how how is the story told visually? Uh, paint me a picture. I'm curious. I'm trying to picture uh, visualize this. Um, so, uh, okay. Uh, in terms of how it how it plays, there is a little bit of rhythm to it. Um, I would say it's more like an endless runner than a oh, okay. rhythm game. Okay. Yep. There are certain certain um, quick time events um, where you have to hit the things within the beat. Um, you have to hit them at the right time. Um, but mostly, it's sort of an endless runner. 
Um, and the story, there's in the beginning, there's a there's a narrator um, who sort of sets up the scene, um, and there's some little sort of cut scenes. There's lots of little cut scenes between it, so it's that's kind of how the story is told. The narrator is actually Queen Latifah. Oh um, wow! Yeah, cool, awesome. <laughs> Yeah, so she actually kind of sets, sets up the world. She's like in a town not too different from yours, and um, oh, wow. all these sort of things. So yeah, it's it's really cool. Um, but it, yeah, basically, like you're you're going going through this storyline, and it sort of builds up, and then there's kind of like um it, like it, something similar to music. You can kind of think there's like a reprise in it as well. So mm. towards the end of the storyline, some of the storyline kind of repeats again, and it's kind of like. You know, when you think about it, it's like a phase two in a boss battle, you know, like you have to do the things, but now it's faster. Um, so it kind of co- sort of goes through that way. Um, and then at the end, it's kind of, uh, you know, there's like a little outro sort of um, narration as well. But the storyline kind of, there's sort of, uh, sort of linked um, uh, sort of thematically, you can kind of see, and there's the, the locations and the levels in which you are, they're kind of named. So one of them is like, hate hell valley and stuff like that and there's another one called like crying woods or something to that effect and it's kind of like someone kind of working through emotional pain um to kind of get their way to through a storyline so yeah yeah it's really really cool um and like no dialogue from the characters at all um just the narrator at the beginning okay would you say then that the music is a more similar based to something like a concept album than rather just like a bunch of different songs yeah that's how i would yeah it is pretty much like yeah it's a concept album so yeah, I, I would. I like that's the best way to think about it. There is actually like um, so. There's a number of songs, and they're kind of in the main boss battles of of the game. You have these sort of voiced tracks, um, but then there's a lot of sort of instrumental musical tracks as well um, as you're kind of working your way through. There's about sort of two to three levels um, before you come up against the boss in each in each level, um, and sometimes there's multiple bosses in a level. And the gameplay kind of switches around quite a lot. So there's one where it's you know lots of it's sort of endless runners. Some of it's sort of like you know, um, outrun style drifting around. Um, but another one is almost like, um, you know, like space invaders or, or moving around a map on a little screen as well. And it's kind of like, you're looking at the VR screen of, of one of the characters and, um, you're, you're just an icon moving around a map, collecting, um, little, you know, hearts and things like that and shooting little bits and pieces out. So yeah, it's really cleverly done. And I think it's something that's like really pushes the genre and you can see where, Something like this would have been perfect to be played on a on a phone as well with a touch screen, um, but it does also work really well with a controller as well. So it's quite clever in that way. Yeah, great. Maybe we'll see more of these kinds of games taking inspiration from this concept in the future. This is Mainstream by Pixel Sift. This is sort of another segment we're going to talk about on, on this show. Tell us what you think about it, if you like what it is. These are other little pieces in the news that you might have seen. It might be interesting to you. Um, and, um, yeah, do you want to kick us off, Daniel? Yes. Okay, so uh, keeping to my theme of Rockstar, this is taken from Kotaku by uh, Zach Weizen. And it's that Rockstar currently has no plans for Red Dead Redemption 2 single-player DLC, which to me comes as the biggest disappointment <laughs> that I've heard from this game in a while. Um, and the only reason why is because I, I played the original Red Dead uh, when it came out and, of course, played Undead Nightmare. That's really interesting. Yeah, really interesting DLC, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. It was. Uh, it changed the game for a, a lot of, like, you know, uh, no pun intended, but for the industry because up until that point, we, as far as DLC, we had seen things such as Bethesda's horse armor, we'd seen map packs and stuff like that. Those kinds of things weren't uncommon, usually smaller kinds of stuff and of course rockstar uh with gta 4 added the stories from liberty city which added 
pretty substantial um, expansions as far as like you play as a different character, there's different weapons and stuff. But I think that with Undead Nightmare, it really, it felt like a completely new game. You know, uh, it wasn't as long as Red Dead Redemption 2, but it still had so much content attached to it. And so since Red Dead Redemption 2 came out and the story and the map, and for me, when I was playing it, during Red Dead Redemption 2, the story, there were a couple of moments where I'd either be, you know, free roaming or doing a side quest or something. And the lighting engine that Rockstar have incorporated into this new game had me thinking this would be perfect for a zombie apocalypse, creepy sort of atmosphere. And they've been teasing mm. a lot of this stuff in the game through Easter eggs. So a couple of famous ones are there's a UFO that you can find in a cabin and you have to go there between like 2 and 3 a.m. or something like that. And um, this green light shines down. And you look up and there's this UFO. There's also the Saint Denis vampire, which um, is like a mini side quest that's unmarked. And you basically go around the city of Saint Denis and there are like these different ritualistic killings. And eventually if you find all of them, there's a vampire in the middle and like you can talk to him and kill him and take his like sacrificial knife. So there's Rockstar and especially in the red, the uh, world of Red Dead Redemption 2, they're no strangers of the macabre. And recently, the only thing, the only reason why I'm so disappointed is because they've uh, updated Red Dead Online with the summer expansion or uh, the summer update, which basically added a whole bunch of new quality of life things. They've added new roles for players to uh, engage in in the online. You can play as like a bounty hunter. There's different cosmetics and stuff, and they really, they're trying to push this role-playing aspect of it. But since the update, um, they've a lot of players have noticed kind of weird changes and spooky sort of things that have been popping up that people haven't noticed beforehand. I'll give you a couple of examples. So mm. in the town of Armadillo, I'm not going to spoil the story, um, but in the town of Armadillo, there is a cholera outbreak and a lot of people are dying. And so, you know, this is since the start of the game and there are like dead bodies piled up in wagons and there are, you know, undertakers you know, throwing them in ditches and lighting it on fire. It's really kind of gruesome stuff. But since then, the dead bodies in Armadillo, not just Armadillo, actually, different dead bodies around the map that appear in different sort of uh, states or whatever, have glowing green eyes and this has only been added since the update so a lot of people are thinking is this some kind of tease like the all, all the people have been posting on reddit and stuff like that about beforehand what does the dead bodies look like and now glowing green eyes not only that but there's a couple of other things there's this native american burial site which is in the game and um strange stuff happens down there for instance if you throw like a molotov cocktail the weather in the game will start to rain because they're trying to put out the fire. Like, you know, that's the implication. And mm. since the update, players found that if you go back there, you start to hear this kind of like, like voices and stuff that would be just going around in the background that wasn't there before. And mind you, Rockstar's community and how popular Red Dead Redemption is have pretty much scoured everything from Easter eggs at this point. So to find something new this late into the game, mind you, the game's nearly been out for a year at this point added a lot of fuel to the fire that they were working on some kind of undead nightmare. And now if you consider the timing... But do you think this is not like a a bait and switch or something like that, that maybe they might try to keep it as a secret thing? Or do you think what they might do potentially is move all this to Red Dead Online and say, oh, yeah, we've got a zombie mode in Red Dead Online or something like that? Yeah, see, I've I've thought about this as well. And um, the timing, especially, that's the main thing. Uh, It's almost Halloween, right? So it's Halloween in about a month or so. And the original Red Dead Redemption was released around Halloween, I think like a couple of days beforehand. So whether or not it is for single player or just for the online sort of stuff, um, I think more players would want to see something that was a single player expansion because of just how good the story is, how good the writing is, how good the world building is. And I feel like 
maybe if it was released on online, maybe some people might feel it might cheapen the experience a little bit. Maybe it might be become a little bit gimmicky. Who knows? It depends how much they actually decide to do with it. Because if it's just say, you know, a Halloween timed um, game mode or something that's only for Halloween, it might feel a little bit, oh, okay, this is all the hype. But if it's, if they change the entire map of Red Dead Online and do this Halloween thing, and there are like, you know, different random encounters that can, that can happen and stuff. Um, I feel like people won't be complaining if that if that's the case, mm. but I think it's just people more so just uh, frustrated at the silence and and no plans about single player DLC. It's not just the undead nightmare stuff, mind you. A lot of people have been asking about story expansions for a lot of the characters within the game, and even going back a little bit before the story actually begins to see where the gang was at um, before all of the uh, the stuff in Blackwater. Mm. Well, it'll be interesting to see what happens with it, hey? I think, um, well, it sounds like they are teasing something, but it's funny. Maybe it won't be exactly what people think about it, but I know there's a lot of theory crafters who play the the Rockstar games, especially all the, I remember oh, yeah. all the GTA stuff with all the Sasquatch. UFOs and everyone trying to yep. work out what's going on. And, yeah, I'm definitely yeah. a, a tinfoil hat kind of person myself. I want to believe, I want to believe it's true. I, like, I've been waiting so long for this and uh, yeah, we'll see what happens, you know, so... All right, very interesting. All right, and this, the other story I found out as well, it's, you might have seen um, that um, Nintendo, speaking of Nintendo that we've talked about before, um, have just released um, a new a new Mario Kart game come out. Uh, it's called Mario Kart Tour. Um, it's out on um, on mobile. Um, but the, this uh, Austin, uh, Austin Goslin from Polygon has said that basically, you know, Mario Kart Tour comes out with a $4.99 monthly subscription fee to play the game and you can use oh, it to kind of like get a whole bunch of you know extra items for collecting things um but austin says that um it it's pretty much feels out of touch now when um if you think about all the games that come with the apple arcade which is the same price um so you know games like cyanara wild hearts or projection or overland or a bunch of other games that have all come out for that monthly fee and the price of asking for you know 4.99 for one game only which allows you to unlock certain things within that and it unlocks one extra mode as well 100 200cc modes it really seems like they've kind of slightly overpriced it so yeah i think that's interesting to see because you know we now are moving to this sort of subscription gaming um world it's been here for a while you know the xbox game pass and all that sort of stuff and now it's making a big push onto onto mobile platforms as well so yeah it'll be interesting to see if anyone could pull it off i reckon nintendo could pull it off but uh austin doesn't reckon they can pull it off so yeah really interesting to see yeah, that is interesting. I'm curious myself because I haven't really been doing too much research into the subscription-based elements of pricing games. But is do you think when games say it's like five five ninety nine or uh, whatever a month, when it gets to a point where it's enough to pay for a game, right? Let's say it's like thirty. Get that number adds up to like a sixty dollars or whatever, what have you. How do you think that longevity will be maintained as far as this subscription being implemented into games? Well, I just think that's an issue. Well, what I'm curious about as well is whether or not, you know, people keep playing it throughout the time. I actually honestly think it's going to be a great thing for for parents with kids um, because all the games that are on the the store bases have no in-app purchases and nothing like that. So, you know, if little little Jane wants to play some games on her iPad or whatever, then, you know, her parents can go and buy this subscription and then here you go, you've got games which are fully featured, $6 $6 a month or $5 a month. I think it's $7.99 Australian. Um, and then you go from there. But what would be interesting to see is whether or not it's like other subscription services. So like, for example, Netflix, right? So Netflix has a lot of things on there. 
um, but for a certain while, you know, they'll be there for a, um, a certain period and after that then they'll disappear off that network. So whether or not, you know, if a game comes out on Apple Arcade, will it be there forever? And, um, you know, or for example, Google Play Pass, which has just come out as well, you know, which which pays people depending on how long people play the games for. You know, is that a way, is that a sustainable way to play the game, you know, to have games be made, you know? So I think there's a lot of question marks all around how this all works. So, mm. yeah, fascinating one to think about. Definitely. And it, it sort of uh, sparked a, a thought uh, in me. And it's just what you were saying about Netflix with some shows, you know, uh, being pulled in and out of rotation. And as for a video game, how does it affect saves? If you get a exactly. certain way into a game and then it gets pulled, but then put back up, do you have to restart from the beginning? Is that what is going to happen? Yeah, exactly. Does it does a bought version it can exist in the same way as in a subscription version? How does it work? You know, do you have to have an account for every single particular game? Mm. Yeah, it's it's sort of a curious way to see what it all how it all rolls out. So, well, on that that seems like a pretty good point to to leave it. This is um, this is Pixel Sift. Um, my name's Gianni. I'm the executive producer of Pixel Sift, and I'm joined by Daniel, who's one of the presenters and producers on Pixel Sift. This is mainstream. Um, where we talk about mainstream games other than the indie games, because you may well know um, that we are an award-winning indie games video game podcast um, looking at doing some uh, you know, important journalism and talking to game developers from across Australia and the world. Thanks to Brian Fairbanks at Salty Dog Sounds for composing the mainstream theme music. Um, if you like this, um, let us know. We'd love to hear from you. You can send us an email, just contact at pixelsift.com.au or you can find us on on any of the social media platforms like twitter or facebook or jump into our discord um daniel do you remember what the link is for our discord uh address to get into oh on the spot it is pixelsift.com.au slash discord got it now yes come join us there if you're if you're keen to talk about um games and some of the stuff you've been playing and, and um, we, we appreciate you having a listen tell us what you think tell your friends if you like it and um, we'll see you on the next episode of pixel sifts mainstream Did you know that the original Final Fantasy creator, Hironobu Sakaguchi, made a spiritual successor to that legendary series called Fantasian for Apple Arcade, and every level in the game is a handmade, physical miniature model. Enjoy unlimited access to over 200 incredibly fun games with no ads and no in-app purchases. From puzzle and adventure games to sports, racing, and multiplayer action games, everyone can count on finding something to love. Head to sifter.com.au forward slash arcade to start your free trial of Apple Arcade today at sifter.com.au forward slash arcade for a one month free trial of Apple Arcade and you'll be supporting independent video games journalism. This offer is for new subscribers only $9.99 a month after free trial. Plan automatically renews after trial until cancelled. Mm-hmm.